everybody, this is Dave Stelzel, and it's time for the Vintage to Advisor podcast. And I am on the road today, uh, recording my podcast in my rental car, because I got, um, actually my forerunner got totaled in an accident. Get this, I got hit by a hit and run, or actually the guy did stop because he destroyed his car, but he was a, a fleeing robbery, uh, armed robbery suspect, stole some guy's car, jumped in his car, police chase, five police cars chasing him, ran through a red light, and nailed my forerunner. Luckily, nobody was hurt in my car. But anyway, you want to find out how to grow your business by ascending the ascension ladder, by expanding your services in the technology space. I want to share with you some things right now that I think are really important in the mid-market and small market. Actually, they're, they're important in all market spaces, but they're it's something that's just not happening in the mid-market space or the smaller market. So if you're in there doing managed service type technology, if you're in the security space, there's an area of security that's just not being addressed. And you might think, well, hey, maybe it's threat protection or detection and response. And you know what? It is. But but in this case today, we've actually got something different. I want to head a different direction. So a lot of times I'm talking about you know leading with that threat detection and response uh, message. But once you're in there, once you've gotten that thing kind of in place, maybe you've got a SIM technology going or some other um, type of, of uh, advanced threat detection thing happening. There are other areas that you want to expand into, and one of them is the availability market. So disaster recovery in the small business market always seems to point to products like Datto and other competitors that do backup and recovery. And and some for some reason, the entire small business MSP business market has has decided that that's what disaster recovery is. But if you know anything about security, and you've studied, you're certified, you know, CISSP type certification, you know that you study disaster recovery, and it has nothing to do, I mean, it has something to do with, but it's, it, it has little to do with the backup and recovery. I mean, that's an, that's an aspect of it, but it has a whole lot more to do with how long can I be down, how recent does my data have to be, that my restore point objective, my restore time objective, okay, these are metrics that point to how long can it be down, how much data can I afford to lose. And the whole concept of disaster recovery is largely missing from the small and medium business market. But it's also interesting, a good friend of mine who owns a company in Atlanta, Touchstone, is gonna be doing a deep dive disaster recovery availability training for us in July. And if you're on our mailing list, there will be announcements about that and how to join that if you're interested. But that, but the whole concept of disaster recovery is bec is becoming an antiquated concept because companies can't really afford to be down. And sure enough, if you go out and do my security assessment using the security assessment on our website, which by the way you can download the template right now if you want to at www.stelzl.us, and right right at the top of the page, actually right at the top of the page is a is a a question, but right underneath that are three boxes, and the middle one is the assessment template. And I forgot what it says there, but it says something about assessments. And the whole point is getting in, leading with some kind of risk assessment, discovering what kind of exposure they have, and driving through to the remediation and managed 
aspects of protection detection response is a great way to open the door for any kind of annuity type service, whether they have an IT organization or not. It doesn't really matter how big the company is. Most companies have to have some third party doing their threat detection stuff unless they're, you know, an enormous third party, uh, I mean, enormous Fortune 500. And even some of those big companies, I've worked with uh, companies like Dell SecureWorks who have had contracts doing that sort of work for, you know, big organizations like Bank of America. So really, you can get as big as you want to get as long as you've got an offer that really scales to that size. But when you walk into a mid-market company, very few of those people ever have anything like that. And now we, when we move into the disaster recovery space, what we find is in that security assessment, one of the questions I always ask is, how long can you afford to be down? What are the most critical processes here? I'm actually approaching it from a disaster recovery standpoint because I want the executive leadership to be relevant in this in this equation. So instead of going in with my scanner and saying, hey, where's your network? We're going to scan your network and see you know, what ports are open and what patches are missing and all those sorts of things, which don't really lead to big deals. Instead, I want to talk to the executive leadership and find out where are the most critical processes in this company? What data really matters to you? How long can you afford to be down? And of course, I'm headed down the security road, but today I want to take a turn and head down the disaster re recovery road. And so in the disaster recovery world, you would be asking similar questions. What's your restore point objective? What's your restore time objective? In other words, how long can you be down and how much data can you afford to lose? I think I got those backwards, but you get the point. So my friend Jay Haller, who's going to be doing this training next month, has talked about the fact that these terms are a little bit antiquated because we really want to talk in terms of availability now less about disaster recovery. And so that term is business resilience. How long can I stay up? What's How long can I sustain uptime? And what does my business require? From a 911 system, can I really say we can afford some kind of downtime? Can I really speak in terms of 5-9 uptime? That's not really what I want. I want 100% uptime. And is there a way to get that? Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. But the point is, how close can I get to what I really require, depending on what my application is? And of course, my business is going to dictate how much downtime I can afford, or in this case, how much availability do I really need? And there are some businesses that you might not really think about. I gave one in a recent training session I did of a company that produces wrapping paper. So, you know, a non-critical thing, but all of their business is done between the months of October and early December. All the presidents are all the presents or all the wrapping paper is kind of purchased in that time frame. Nobody wants to buy Christmas wrapping paper in March and nobody's going to buy Christmas wrapping paper on Christmas Eve either. Right. I mean, hardly anybody. So they are. And of course, it's got to be manufactured. This is a manufacturing company. It's got to be in the store before anybody buys it. So really, I forgot what their end date is, but if the wrapping paper is not shipped out the door, then there's really no there's no point in manufacturing it. So so their point was, well, I, I not only do I have to be up and running in October, but there's no there's no point in being up and running <laughs> as soon as December something hits. And I forgot what that last ship date is. But but you see the point. It's a very short window. And the same is true for a CPA firm, right? A CPA firm has to be up and running in that late uh, January timeframe when people are starting to get their numbers in. And then there is a, a date after that, a final date where it's, you know, it's April 15th. And of course, the CPA firms are working day and night as they approach April 15th. But, you know, once that date hits, it's got to be postmarked by April 15th. There's just 
That's just what it is. So, so the uptime requirement, the availability requirement for these types of companies is major in that short window of time. And because they can't predict when downtime might occur, they kind of just need to be highly available anytime. All right, so that all leads to the conversation that in the deep dive training we're doing, we're doing next week, that this all demands some kind of workshop, and that's what Jay recommends. So he says, you know, what the, the way to do this is once you're in the account, once you've got a managed service thing going and you're evaluating things and you're helping them maintain things, it makes sense later on then to go back to that company. And, of course, he leads with this because that's all he does. But in your business, you probably do a bunch of other things, and this might be an add-on. It might be something you subcontract to a firm like his or another firm because once we get into it, it gets a little bit complicated in terms of deliverable. But here's what he's doing, essentially. He's conducting a workshop, and he's identifying what those critical processes are. But it's interesting that he leads with a question that is going to open the door, and that is, when was the last time you tested your ability to recover fast enough? That's a great question. So you just told me this process is super critical. When was the last time you you tested it? And he's talking about process, not data, because it's not about backup and recovery. It's about getting the whole process up and running. It's about making sure that the hardware, the software, the data, the people, the the, the place, the facilities that are required to conduct that thing are all in place. And if they're not, none of it works. Right. If you're in a hospital, you got to have a hospital and, and to have a hospital process fail over requires moving people. If there's some kind of damage, let's say a chemical spill or a fire or whatever it is that might destroy that that wing of that hospital, people have to be moved in a certain amount of time with machines that are keeping them alive and prescriptions and all, all the systems that maintain all the information required to serve that person who's got some kind of major health issue. So, when was the last time you tested your ability to make that transition, to fail that thing over? And I just have to blow by this truck here because he's in my way. <laughs> so, secondly, and of course the, the question is going to be, well, we've never tested it. The second question he asks then is, well, how did you do? compared to what you require. And the third one is, well, how did that information get reported up to the executive leadership of your organization? And that probably never happened either, which then leads us to the workshop to figure those things out and figure out what needs to happen so that we can make sure that we understand what processes are critical, how they fail over, is there a gap, does executive management understand the deal, the impact, the likelihood, and so forth, what the gap looks like. So all those things happen. Now, once that gets done, once that testing is done, it opens up opportunity. And here's where you really do want some, some help if you don't know how to do these things. But these things are worth a lot of money. Remember, the first one I did, and what I'm talking about here is business impact analysis. That's where you start. So think of that impact likelihood graph. That's kind of where that came from. My first business impact analysis was done back in the uh, late 90s, probably 1998. I think we charged around $40,000. For a fairly small company, I don't I don't remember how much how many people they had, but it was not a lot of people. I mean, maybe 20 to 40 people at the most. So so not a big business, but a business with critical processes in place, much like that wrapping paper company. In fact, the wrapping paper company I think did one of those too. So business impact analysis shows us an analysis, of course, of the impact, the likelihood of 
of disaster. What's going to happen to the company if something happens, like I get hit with ransomware? So it's not just a risk assessment. It's a business impact analysis. And once I have that in place, then it makes sense to move forward and start looking at some kind of business continuity plan. So business resilience. So I've done my analysis. Here's the impact. I've justified a decision now to go forward and build a business continuity plan. How are we going to stay up and running? What does our availability need to be? And this is kind of what replaces that whole disaster recovery conversation. And then once that's in place, got my business continuity plan in place, there is still a chance and there always will be a chance that there still could be a disaster. And so I need a disaster recovery plan, which is my failover. How do I recover from certain types of disasters? If I get hit with ransomware today, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? What steps do we take? And there's actually a plan in place that gets tested and then we test it again. And it's a whole cycle. Test, business impact analysis, business continuity plan, disaster recovery, test. And it's like a quarterly rotation. And that's what his company does. He signs these, these companies up on a quarterly program to test, update these documents, make sure the company is prepared. And you know what? Frequently, you can probably guess this ahead of time, but frequently he comes back and says the test failed. The test failed. And this happens frequently when there's an IT department in play that works in that company and they say the, the famous words, we've got it covered. And then his company comes in and says, okay, well, let's see how covered we have it. And let's run a test. And, of course, executive leadership frequently knows about how much it costs them to be down. And they'll come back and say, you know, this we would have lost millions of dollars if this happened for real. This is a big opportunity, folks. And so I want you to think about this. Where can this fit in your plan? How badly do some of your clients need some kind of understanding of what would happen if they did get hit with a disaster? Is there a business continuity plan in place so they have the technology in place to keep them up and running and available as much as they need to be available? And chances are they don't, especially if they're mid-market and smaller. So take a look at those things. And if you're interested in looking for partners that can help you do this, like Touchstone down in Atlanta would be one example. There are companies out there that can back in. You can white label this sort of stuff as long as you can speak the language and find a good fit in your client base and then weave this into the programs that you've already got established there. This is a great upsell, worth a lot of money and sticky. It's one of those sticky things companies don't want to let go of once they understand the value of it. Again, this is Dave Stelzel. Make sure you get my risk assessment template at www.stelzel.us. Just click on that middle box. Scroll down the, to uh, just the second line there on my front page. Middle box, take you to a landing page. You can read a little bit about it and put your, uh, just put your email address in there and we will send it to you pronto. And by the way, if you don't get it, it's probably because it's in your spam folder. It does come out automatically. Sometimes people say, hey, you didn't send it to me. Yeah, we did. It comes out automatically. But if you don't get it, you can always email us. Just go to our contact page on our webpage. Again, that's www.stelzl.us.